Welcome to the Messenger Podcast, where our mission is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. We want to use this podcast to share truths that will position you to experience God's best in your life and in your world. Today, I have Sarah Trupo in the house. Woo! There she is. And I'm so excited, Sarah. Me too. Because of what we're talking about today. In fact, over the next few episodes, we're going to talk about, you ready? You ready for it? We're going to talk about wildernesses. (laughs) Yes, wilderness seasons. Those hard times in our lives when we're like, what the heck, God? What the heck, God? You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's that's what it is. It's like, seriously? God, seriously? What is going on? They're the seasons of confusion, disorientation, disappointment, loss, failure, you name it. Um, But they're also seasons of amazing promise, purpose, growth and intimacy. And that's why we are talking about wilderness seasons. And in fact, this idea of wilderness is is such a big topic that uh, my dad and the messenger team, we decided to extensively cover in a new course entitled, guess what? The wilderness. The wilderness, which you can check you gotta out. You got to say it with a radio voice. The wilderness. There you go. There we go. <laughs> which you can check out at messengercourses.com. So Sarah, I'm excited, as I said earlier, about what you're going to share because you are going to give us three tips that will help us navigate wilderness seasons. So let's jump in, listen to these three tips, and then you and I will circle back and have some conversation about the tips. Cool? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. All right, guys, I'm so pumped to be talking to you about the wilderness. These lessons I'm about to give you are fresh out of my life, like within the last year. And so this is something that I'm just gonna give you eight minutes of all of the content I can. So just lean in with me, all right? All right, so my wilderness, I'm gonna give you a really quick rundown, was four years long, wasn't that fun? It was from ages 27 to 31. And in that season, I was struggling with being single. I was struggling with the business I had started had gone into debt, and I felt like an imposter because everyone was like, oh, you're so amazing, you started a business. And I'm like, yeah, and I can't pay my rent. It's really great. Um, In addition to that, I couldn't complain about my business failing because then people would tell me to get a job. So I was in this terrible catch-22. I felt isolated in community. Everyone in my community was getting married, getting baby number one, baby number two, baby number three, baby number four baby number five, you know, that everybody was moving forward. People were getting job promotions and my friend was in a master's program in Oxford and then she got interviewed with the queen and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, what is my life? I just kept feeling like I was living in a constant state of completely feeling rejected, feeling like a failure, feeling like everything I was trying was failing. It felt like the walls of my life were closing in around me and I was going to be suffocated under the weight of them. I wrote this in my journal. I just want to read this to you because sometimes I think we can confuse discontent with wilderness. Discontent can be like, man, I wish it was sunny outside. (laughs) Man, I wish I had different clothes. Man, I wish I saw that friend more. Wilderness feels different. And so I'm going to read this to you. I said, wilderness is when we reach the end of ourselves the outer corners of our capacity, the point where hope flickers dimly, where we walk the boundary line of despair and faith. It's in that place where the power of God begins. You guys, this is a testimony of my life. I will be preaching about this till the wheels fall off the bus because I have learned walking through this season that if you're in a wilderness and you're trying to exit, the only way out is surrender. And so many times I'd be like, God, please send me like Hunger Games, like pluck me out and like get me out of this place. 
But God said no, and God said no year one, and God said no year two, and God said year no three, or year three, and God said no year four, and I'm like, Lord, nothing has changed in four years. I'm now 30 years old, 31 years old. Are you kidding me? Like, what's going on here? And um, when I surrendered my circumstances, though, I said, all right, you know what? Why am I here? I'm asking the wrong question. Why am I here? So help me find the tools. I'm gonna be out here in this desert and so I'm gonna start digging. Like, where do I need to go dig? <laughs> and so that's the attitude I took to it. So I think what happened when, and, and this is a big revelation. If you can get this now, like you will save yourself four years of wilderness or five years or 10 years, start digging. And what I found out was that absolutely nothing changed. Let me tell you. Not a single circumstance changed. I didn't get a boyfriend. I didn't get a new job promotion. I didn't get more friends. I didn't get better business. Like nothing changed, but I changed. Wow. And if we can get to that point of transformation, you guys, that is where the magic happens. So let me tell you the three lessons I learned because I've got four and a half minutes and I want you to take every single one of these lessons. Number one, let go. Um, the tyranny of control demands that you manage the outcome of your life, not gone. That's, it's really, that's the bottom line. And the thing is, when you surrender your dream, it doesn't actually mean you're giving up hope. You're just transferring authority. You're saying, God, I'm not in charge of making my dream happen. You are. I'm not in charge of making that house happen. I'm not in charge of making that job happen, that boyfriend happen. You are. When you change the, who's in charge of the management and outcome of your dreams, it will change your life, truly. My second lesson is trust the process. It's never about the promised land. This is where some of us get hung up. We start fixating on the promised land, the thing we want. It's always about our relationship with the promiser. It's always about that. And if you can catch that now, you'll realize that like, man, it doesn't even matter if I get married. It doesn't even matter if we get that house. It doesn't matter if I get that baby that I want. Like, I want, I want to be with you, God. Like, where are you going? Take me on your adventure. Like, I'm following you. So that's really, um, so that's the, the next point is trust the process and the uh, by point of that is you're gonna be enlarged in the waiting. There's a scripture, if you could throw that up, it says, waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what is enlarging us and I would add to that, we don't know how we're being enlarged. We don't know what character God's downloading in us. We can't possibly know that. The last point is fight unbelief with faith. So often it's easy to hunker down into a place of unbelief. God didn't say those prophecies were wrong, those people were wrong, I was wrong, I heard wrong. Like it goes on and on. But the scariest place you can be in is a place of unbelief. Do you know what helped the Israelites out of, out of their promised land for 40 years? Unbelief. If you don't believe me, check out Hebrews 3. <laughs> like it says it straight out in the scripture. They didn't enter their promise the rest because of unbelief. Um, and in that same vein, like, how do you do this, right? Like, how do you get so fierce that you're like, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna believe. You realize it's not plan A, it's not plan B, it's not even plan C, it's plan God. It's plan God or bust. Like, you're going to the very end. You're going to 80 believing you're gonna find your spouse. You're going, you know, like, whatever it is for you, like, it's ride or die to that plan God, you know? So that's, and, and the proof we have of this is all over scripture. What would have happened if Joshua stopped circling Jericho on lap six? 
what would have happened if, you know, we had Joshua or uh, David, if he had killed Saul and said, you know what, this is supposed to be my crown. Like, how would his life have played out? Like, really, if you think about it. What would have happened if Joseph just gave in to despair after he got forgotten for like the 15th time in jail, finally helps this dude out, and then he's forgotten in jail? Like, what would have happened if Esther chickened out and said, Mordecai, you know what? There's some other girl who can defend the nation, not me. Like, whatever that thing is in your life right now, just like take that in your mind for the next like few seconds. Just visualize what that is, what that thing is you're circling, that thing is you're preparing for, that thing that you know you could go and grab it, but part of you knows that if you do that, it's the wrong path. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, I just wanna encourage you to think about, have I let go? Have I really, really, truly let go? And I mean, letting go for me got, into the place of, got me to the place of, God, if I'm supposed to be a nun, like I will be a nun, <laughs> happily, because I'll know that's your best for my life, you know? Have you really trust the process? Are you in the midst of a wilderness right now and you're just like, dang, I don't know. Are you not trusting the process? And then my final point is just reminding you, fight the unbelief. Go after that, grab it by the neck. Don't let that mess around in your life because that is the only thing that can keep you from the destiny that God has for you. All right, Sarah, man, that was good. That was so good. Thank now, you. the reality is you're not the only one experiencing wilderness seasons based on the, the stats that we've looked at. Pretty much 50% of people feel like they're in some form of wilderness. So this message is so applicable to so many of us. Now, you said several things in your message that I would love to quote. I'm going to start with one because it was so good. You said that the tyranny of control demands that you manage the outcome of your life, not God. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I want you to unpack that statement a bit more. So I don't know what struck me, but I wrote that in my journal at one point because I realized, I was like, man, this is, control is like an addiction. Oh, like, so is. And I felt like the control, like the addiction to wanting to have everything under my reign, under my control, on my timelines, started to just really make me feel like I was actually being controlled by control. And I know hmm. that sounds crazy. And it was like, it was like an overlord in my life, like almost like, and that's why that word tyranny is just so, what, what came to me was like, I really felt like I was being under the sub, you know, I was a subject to this control in yeah. my life. And I, and I wanted to be free of it. And mm. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get out of this wilderness if I keep trying to control my way out. Like this, I've done it for now too. At that point, it was like two and a half, three years. And my circumstances weren't changing. And I was like, all right, God, <laughs> something's got to change. Well, and control is a terrible master. Terrible. Because you have no control. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like control is an illusion. It's such an illusion. And I think... You know, I remember I was sitting at the airport in LA and I was late for a flight and there are all of our flights got delayed and the guy next to me happened to be a screenwriter for movies. And I asked him, I said, what's the most difficult part of being a screenwriter for a movie? And he said, you have to write circumstances around a character that squeezes out what they truly are. Are they truly good? Are they truly bad? And so really my job is to put them into an environment, into circumstances that reveal that about them. And I really felt like when I heard that from that guy, I was like, Lord, I feel like 
in some ways, like the circumstances around my life right now are actually squeezing out what I actually believe. And what I actually believe is I don't trust you. <laughs> I trust me. <laughs> don't, don't you think that's the function of the wilderness? Oh, absolutely. And that's, To unmask yes. those beliefs. So those, much. Those core beliefs that we, we don't even know they exist until the wilderness starts digging deep into us. It does. And I think that's what you're really faced with. What do you actually believe? And that's why I said like in the waiting year enlarged, because you don't actually know what God's needing to dig out of you. And that character, you know, when met with the truth is like, it, it actually feels kind of crappy to be like, God, I actually really don't trust you. And if you don't give me what I want, like we're over. Right. <laughs> <You know? And laughs> give like, me the promise now. Yeah. And it's a bummer to say to God and to yourself, like, wow, I, my faith is really weak. Yeah. So for me, that was the when I say the, the control was had me to such a place that I felt like you know what it's my way or the highway God and I had to re reshift my perspective yeah that's so good so when you look at it like that the wilderness is a gift it is it really is it's a gift of it's perspective opportunity. like it's a, literally an opportunity if you're yeah. out there and you're in the if you're right now in the wilderness season and you're raging against it and you're mad at God and you're mad at your life and you're mad at yourself, like flip your thinking and go, what's the opportunity that I'm in right now? Well, and if you think of the children of Israel where so much of this wilderness ideology comes from, the fact is Moses said to Pharaoh that God wants the children of Israel to be free so they can worship him in the wilderness. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> the purpose of the freedom was right. the wilderness. Why? Because it was in the wilderness that they were supposed to meet God. Mm -hmm. That they were truly to become the people of God. And I think God, he brings us through these wilderness seasons so that we get the chance to unmask ourselves, to tear off mm -hmm. that false self and see him as he actually is and right. begin to know ourselves the way we are known. The intimacy that you can find with the Lord in a wilderness season is unlike any other. You could say that they crossed the Red Sea for intimacy. I, I would say that. Yeah. And I think they spent a long time camped out there because they were, you know, Because they didn't want to be intimate. Yeah. They, told, they told Moses, yeah, you go talk to him and whatever he yeah. tells you to do, we'll do. But we don't want to have intimacy with a God who's greater than we are. Exactly. <laughs> and they asked Aaron for a golden calf. They were so rebellious. They're like, we, we really don't. We'd rather be in relationship with this thing. Because they want control. Exactly. The golden calf represents control, exactly. represents what's familiar, mm -hmm. what they can make with their hands. Right. They didn't want a God who is greater than the extent of their being. And aren't we just like that? We want to manifest with our hands the life we always dreamed of. And there's so much. And then put the God card on it. Yeah. And like, God gave me that. But actually, really, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. We could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Okay. So I also love how you said when you surrender your dreams, you're not letting go of the dreams. You're transferring authority. Mm -hmm. which is very similar to what we're talking about right now. But is there any practical wisdom you can share on how to let go? I think for me, realizing that I think my biggest challenge was that I didn't trust if I released the control that they were being safeguarded. So I was like thinking, God, if I trust you with this desire, this hope or this dream, like I don't trust that you're actually going to safeguard it. So I got to guard it myself. And I think the most practical thing I can say in terms of that is just actually really getting to the root of the issue. And for me, the root of the issue was I didn't believe that my dreams were safe with God. I didn't believe. So it was fear. It was fear. And I, I didn't believe that um, God could be trusted because maybe he wasn't for me. Maybe he wasn't for that. And so I actually went through and studied 
the character of God and I studied about the promises of God. And I actually started praying those promises over my life, like, and saying, thank you, God, that you direct the steps of the godly, that you delight in every detail of our lives. Like that's a scripture right out of Psalms 37, you know? Yes, and so, it is. 14 through 16, right? <laughs> I think it's 23. 20, 23 through 25. <laughs> yes. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. And so I started reading these things as though they applied to my actual life. And I said, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to claim it for my life. And then I studied actually like the enemy. And I know people get spooked about Satan and all of this, but I studied like, I'm like, if you don't know an enemy and how they run their plays, like I used to work in politics and our biggest thing was trying to figure out what's the other side doing, what's their play. That was always what we were trying to do. And so really understanding how I was being attacked in this area of my life and and in all areas of my life was understanding, Hey, like I'm being deceived right now into thinking that, that God doesn't love me. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You were talking about fear. Yeah. Now fear was keeping you from letting go, giving God control. Something that's fascinating about this whole idea of intimacy is if you look at the word intimacy, it comes from the Latin intimir, mm-hmm. which is interfere. So what's ironic is fear, this whole idea of fear, actually it's what keeps us from being known and truly knowing. Right. And so to become intimate with God, we have to face off with our fear, not deny its presence, not that's deny so its true. existence, but face off with the fear. And that's what you did. Essentially giving up control is facing off with the fear. Totally. I remember there was a specific night I was driving back from, I heard a Havilah Covington or Cunnington, not Covington. Cunnington. <laughs> Sorry, Havilah, we Havilah. got you. We got you. <laughs> I heard her speak at a church here in Colorado Springs and, um, she was talking about fear. And as I was driving home, it was like the Lord revealed to me, fear has been like a trusted friend in your life. You've been listening to... It's constant. Yeah, you've been listening to his voice for so many years that you think it's me sometimes. Fear is always there and for you. Yeah, like I think sometimes my thoughts are fear. Sometimes I think God's thoughts. And I, apply, I was applying all of like my thoughts as... And this is a practical step was I started actually taking thoughts captive and categorizing. Is that a thought from me? Is that a thought from God? Or is that a thought from fear? And I could really measure up if it was fear or God because if it was counter to scripture... And it was counter to what I actually believe. It was it was the voice of fear. And so really realizing that sometimes we get so familiar with fear and its voice in our life and trusting it that we don't, we're deceived. We don't even know we're listening. It's like a trusted companion. Like, hey, you know, maybe if you do that, people won't like you. Or, you know, maybe you need to work a little harder so you're valuable. Those aren't things that come from the hand of God. Or And if you're a believer, those shouldn't be things you're telling yourself. Yeah, that's good, Sarah. All right, you also made this comment. You said it's not plan A, plan B. Or plan C, it's plan God. That's right. So share what you've done to fight unbelief in your life and keep plan God in front of you. I would say the biggest thing is, you know, one of the things with being single is people have a lot of advice and ideas and, you know, also warnings like if you don't get married soon, you can't have children, all these things. And so you have to manage the unbelief. Like for me in that particular, with that particular area of the wilderness for me, it was like, really going to the point of being like, I remember I was in this conversation with a woman and she was really kind of throwing her fears on me and saying like, you know, you can't waste time. You need to, you're young. You need to try. You need to hustle now. I was, I was 50 when I got married and now I can't have children. And it was just all this fear was coming at me. And I remember specifically kind of saying to her, like, look, I trust God to the ends of the earth. And if I don't get married till I'm 80 and if I die single, then I will b- go to the grave believing God's going to ble- bring me a spouse. That's amazing, Sarah. And so I had to get to that point, though, where I, where I actually believed that God was for me and I actually believed that my plan A and my plan B and my plan C were going to stink in comparison to his plan. And so if his plan was completely different than what my plan was, it was still going to be the best plan for my life. And I had to actually fight 
and contend for that when I heard information from people that really ran counter to that. Yeah, so that was fighting, fighting the unbelief, which was the yeah. third third tip that you gave. So I want to yes. recap the three tips. Number one, let go of control. Number two, trust the process. And number three, fight unbelief. So good. Sarah, do you have any final thoughts for us today? I would just say to anyone who's in a wilderness season right now and just encourage you that there have been many people who've walked before you. Look at scripture. There's so many people who've been in a wilderness season, who've been in places that don't make sense. You have David, you have, you know, Joseph, you have Esther, you have Ruth, Ruth, Sarah, I mean, Sarah, Abraham. Abraham. I mean, I literally, we could sit here on the podcast listing all their stories, but the thing that really revealed itself in their life is that they finished well because of their faith. And so if you are at your rope's edge with believing God, like I just want to encourage you to keep believing because he has the best plan for your life. Keep fighting. Keep Keep fighting fighting for that perspective. Exactly. Because the wilderness is all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And if you see it as an opportunity rather than a drudgery and a chore, you will get what God has for you out there. There we go. Well, Sarah, thank you. You're welcome. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. We love to hear from you. So let us know how these messages and conversations are impacting you. We would also so appreciate it if you'd rate the show or write a review. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends. And don't forget to check out messengercourses.com to learn more about the wilderness course. That's it for today. Sarah, again, thank you. Thank you. We'll do, we'll do this again soon, okay? That sounds great. All right, until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.